You're listening to Answering Difficult Questions Biblically, a Sunday school series taught by Pastor Dan Christians at Maple City Baptist Church in Chatham, Ontario. For more information about Maple City, please visit us online at maplecitybaptistchurch.com. Question number six. Why do young people believe so strongly in various genders? Why do young people believe so strongly in various genders? And I thought about this question. I thought, this is the one that's going to cost me someday. <laughs> so thank you for asking. <laughs> no, I, it's from Pastor, yeah. He didn't, he didn't want to be the only one in prison, so right. you and me together, buddy. Uh, and I'm happy to give the best biblical advice that I can. Um, and I, I think it's just a good reminder for us as we go through this, that as believers, we don't come up with our own truth. We don't get to decide what truth is. Uh, we go to the Word of God, and the Word of God tells us what is true, what is right, and then we believe that. And, and then we stand by that. And just because our culture says, no, it's not that, it's this, and they say it a million times, and they tell us we're going to get in trouble if we say it, we just say this is what truth is. This is what God said. I don't, I don't have the right to change God's Word at any point. And so I'd encourage you as, you, as you think about these difficult cultural questions, just continually go to the Word of God and let Him guide you to truth and then stand on it firmly. So I asked my kids um, this question this week. I said, how many, gen- oh, it was a couple weeks ago. I said, how many genders are there? How many genders do you think there are? And all of them said there's two, right? Male and female. And so... I guess when we start out, it's why do young people, well, not all young people believe so strongly that there are various genders. And I do think that actually in our culture, we know the, we know the um, story we're being told of what we're supposed to think. But I think all of us, including those who will accept anything that they're told to accept, still struggles to understand what's happening. And, and can't really put into words what, what they mean by, like, many different genders. Um, I asked Google the same question I asked my kids. I said, how, Google, how many genders are there? And the first answer that came up was 10. 10 genders. It was male, female, trans, gender neutral, non-binary, agender, pangender, gender queer, two-spirit, and third gender. And then there was also an option for all of the above, none of the above, or a combination of any of these. And so you could be A, C, F, J, and sometimes I. And, and that would be, that'd be an option for the gender um, that you feel that you are. Um, now, again, it doesn't, if you were to go to somebody and you were to say, how many genders are there? And they weren't trying to say like, well, this is what the Bible says. They were just trying to go along with whatever culture said that they should believe. They would probably say, I, I don't know, a lot. There's probably a lot. I've heard that there's a lot. I know there's a lot of, you know, letters in that acronym. And so we've, we've kind of come to a place where everybody in society is confused um, and I don't think if you were to ask most people, they'd say, well, there's 10, let me list them for you. But I think it's also true that if I was to say, how many commandments are there? And you say, there's 10. And I say, okay, list them. And like, there's a lot of people, most Christians, I would guess, can't actually list the 10 commandments in order. So it doesn't necessarily mean they don't believe them. It just means that it's, it's confusing to them. Um, <clears throat> and it's unfamiliar still. 
So, <laughs> yes. So I want to bring some clarity to this question because some of you are like, like clearly there's two, two genders. And what's happened in our society, we, we, we've separated um, sex from gender, okay? And so sex is scientific. It is, this is what you are based on your anatomy, your physiology, your DNA, your chromosomes, yeah. So, so that's what, that's still understood. If you said, like, what's your sex, then it's whatever you are physically. Um, gender is what you identify yourself to be. So you might have a chromosome that says you're a, a boy, or physiology that says you're a boy, but you can identify as really anything that you want, however you feel. So your gender is entirely based on how you feel at the moment. And that's why, you, you know, we look at this and we go like, this seems so strange. Obviously there's two, but when you recognize that what they're saying is, well, what do you, what do you feel like you are? Well, your feelings change all the time. Your feelings can be very altered by your circumstances and your sinfulness and all of those things. And so people come to various conclusions based on those things. So technically, that makes us all transgender. Transgender would be you... Trans, so, yeah, that's... Tra- I, I actually intentionally didn't try to... I, I didn't try to uh, define each of those genders because... Uh, sometimes it's, it gets confusing, and some of them seem similar or the same. But transgender is, if this is what your sex is, you don't identify as what your, your biological sex is. You're, you're the opposite of that. Um, cisgender means that you do identify as your biological sex would indicate. Uh, so that's maybe bring some clarity. I don't know. Just the difference between at least sex and gender. So... Um, there are a couple, before I continue on, if you actually are really interested in, in trying to figure out how we got to this place in our culture and, and how this, this feels a little bit strange and ludicrous to you, there's two books that I'd recommend. They're both by Carl Truman. There's a long and very academic version that pastors read. It's called The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self. Okay? And it's 400 pages. It's going to historically walk you through how you, we got to this point and do a great job of defining where people are at and why they're where they're at in our society. So the rise and triumph of modern self. This shorter and more user-friendly version is called Strange New World. And if you're just really, like, first time interested in this question, that's probably the one for you. Strange New World, and that'll help you get a bit of the historical understanding, and then it'll help you kind of navigate through the culture that we're living in um, and, and its sexuality in a, I think, a biblical way. Okay, so so I'm gonna I'm gonna answer your question. Ken's question is, if the world if the world believes that there are so many genders, how come they don't look at the sweet corn and see that there's male and female and the, the cows and and all of the different animals and 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 the answer would be maybe maybe they would say, well, have you ever asked the sweet corn how it feels? <laughs> maybe we're misgendering the sweet corn, you know, <laughs> because their their human sexuality is such, but. We don't know their gender for sure. Um, <laughs> the other, though, what, but ultimately what they would say, that's where they, that's where the distinction between your sex and your gender comes. And that's why that distinction has been made. It used to be that those words were synonymous. Okay, you'd say, what's your gender or what's your sex? And it didn't matter which one it said on the form, you'd fill out M or F. And now, gender means something different. Gender means 
what do you identify as? What do you feel like you are? Not what does your body say that you are, okay? So cows, if you could ask them, might have lots of answers. And so how many genders are there? Let's come back to that question. And I I think biblically, we have to answer the question from how many genders did God originally create? And certainly we recognize that the fall, it impacted every part of humanity. And it seems like maybe most of all, including our sexuality. But if we were to look at how many genders did God create, we find the answer very clearly. Genesis 1.27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. God created two genders. And then the very next verse said, and God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. In Matthew 19.4, just so we don't say, well, that's, that's the Old Testament. In Matthew 19.4, Jesus reiterated God's creation of male and female. And for the purpose of marriage and procreation. And so we have not only a clear definition, but we have the reason. The utility behind the definition is that we're meant to procreate. Now, that's not certainly not the only biblical reason for marriage, and it's not the only reason for relationships and all those things. So don't, don't hear me wrong. I'm not saying if you can't procreate, if you haven't procreated, then you're not really married or doing your duty. That's not the case. But when God created the two genders, that was the reason. That was the, the, the a driving force behind the two. And so, um, why do people believe so strongly otherwise? How come, if God made it clear, and it looks pretty clear from a scientific standpoint that what God said is true, why have we come to a place where when you list your gender, you've got 100 options? And I think the answer is is found, once again, back in Romans. And we've already gone to Romans chapter 1, but if you would commit, like, Romans 1 to, well, memory, or at least know that chapter well, it will serve you well when you seek to understand the culture that you live in. Romans 1.21 says, Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish heart was darkened. And again, we're confronted with a group of people who know God, like deep in their heart, there's this knowledge that there's something more. They know that there's a God out there, but they don't want to serve him. They don't want to be grateful to him. They don't want to live for him. They want to live for themselves. And so they don't glorify him as God because they found something else to glorify. Instead, they glorify themselves as God. And so as a result, they became futile in their thoughts and their foolish heart was darkened. So if you've ever had this experience when you talk to somebody, it's like, I don't, I can't wrap my brain around the way that you're thinking. It seems like not even just unbiblical, but like it it makes no sense at all. Maybe that's a result of a futile, futility in their mind and foolishness in their dark hearts. Verse 22, professing to be wise, they became fools. And changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man 
and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lusts of their hearts, to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And again, that's, that's, that's the exchange that's, that's taken place. Not necessarily a clear and a, a change that they're um, conscious of, but as you get rid of God and you push God away and you, you put yourself on the throne of your life and not God, then you start to exchange all of his truth for a lie. You have to. You can't, you can't continually to believe all these things that God said is true and then live the life that you've chosen to live. They worship and serve the, the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. Okay, so you've got your heart, you've got your mind, and now you've got your actions all impacted. For their women exchanged the natural use that is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another. Men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do the things which are not fitting. Being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whispers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who, knowing their righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. So there's so much in that that helps us understand culture. Now, please don't take the route where you say, well, Dan just said that anybody who's confused about their gender is all of those things all at once. This is a general description of what happens to a culture, to a people. And, and there's all of us that will tend toward one or, one or the other of these sins. Probably a few of them. And this is not for Christians to lift themselves up and say, listen, I am so much better than everybody else out there. Because it's, it's but for the grace of God, you go here too, right? It's only God's grace in your life that, that has helped you to not have the foolish mind and the darkened heart and, and all of those things. It's not your goodness or your brilliance that has led you to the position that you're in right now. It's God, his grace, his spirit, his word. So, um, having said that, the last phrase when it, when it talks about um, they know this is wrong, there's, there's a part deep inside their heart that says this is not what's right. But they still approve of these things and they approve of those who practice them. In other words, it's a group of people who have chosen the wrong path and now they're celebrating it and they're celebrating those who celebrate it. Does that not sound like what we live in today? It, we're actually at the point where it's not only you approve of those who do them, but you disprove of those who don't, who won't. And that's, that's kind of where we're at. And so this is a summary of our culture. It's not a statement of, on an individual. And uh, this is us without the grace of God. Absolutely, Rebecca. That, that's a great point. I, I don't know if I can summarize everything Rebecca just said, if you didn't hear it. But just the, the idea that as Christians, if we know the truth, then we need to be a place where 
people who are confused and maybe have gone down a different path have some place that they can look to and come to where they will be accepted and loved. It doesn't mean that, that all of their choices are accepted, but it means that as human beings, they're accepted and loved. And, and that, is, that is essential for the church to understand because we have, we have spent, I think, too much time as a church fighting against just like the sin that we've uh, demonized it to such a high extent in our mind that when we meet anybody who struggles in these areas, we just assume they're, you know, this awful untouchable. And that's not right at all. Because first of all, you're not going to find the Bible taking their sexual sin and placing it on this pedestal way worse than your sexual sin. Because there isn't a person in this room, I'd imagine, who's never struggled with some kind of sexual sin. Okay? If, if you are attracted to somebody you're not married to, that's a sexual sin, right? So we're not, we're not, we're not better then. Um, and we need to be a place where people know that they can come and they can be loved. And so I, I think a good part of this question, and one that actually has been asked in the past that I'll probably bring up again in, in the future, is how do we respond then to this? In our life. And I think that the response of the Christian is truth and love, and you can't separate those things. And so you hold to the Bible's truth. You don't, you don't need to like back off your circumstances just to show somebody you actually love them. You don't back off what you believe, what the Bible teaches. But you make sure that you're a person who is very loving to anybody that you encounter. And it doesn't matter if they have they hold their S's or not, right? It doesn't matter if, they're, if you can tell from looking at them that they're different. Don't, don't be afraid, be loving, okay? Just remember that when Jesus walked this planet, the people that he touched and spent time with were the ones that, that nobody else would. And so we can't be. That didn't mean Jesus lowered his standards when he did that. It meant that he knew that those were the people who were broken and needed rescue, okay? One thing that might be helpful for you to do if you're really interested in this is there are a number of books written by a man named Sam Albury, who's a Christian minister who struggles with same-sex attraction. And so he writes from a very understanding point of view to say this is what the Bible teaches and this is how to best love people like this. Um, Rosaria Butterfield is another author who writes well on this topic. So um, I, do, I think we're probably out of time. Pastor's looking at his watch, so he is, yeah. Oh, good job. Okay, well, we are out of time. So uh, we're going to pray, and then we'll let you go. Father, we thank you for this day, Lord. I thank you for the interaction and for just the desire that people have to know um, what, your, what your word says and how we're meant to respond in the culture we live. And help us to be a people who is always amazed by your grace in our life and that that amazement of your grace would cause us to um, stay humble, to not become self-righteous and judgmental, and have a, a deep desire to share that grace with others. Uh, help us, Lord, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you would like to learn more about what you've just heard or are interested in the ministry of Maple City, please visit our website at maplecitybaptistchurch.com.